0: wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what I've done over the years. There's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal. We want to be inspirational, educational, but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well. I have Felicia Marie, founder of Women of the Wild.
1: Um, I'm a mother of two boys, and that was my kind of drive to get more youth in the outdoors is, you know, going on these events with school programs and hearing all these kids wanting to do stuff. Between women and youth, I stay really, really busy with getting kids and women out fishing, hunting. Pretty much anything they want to do, we find a journey for them. It started with casting lessons. I more so did it as a fish camp style and just education. So we went over fly lessons, how to cast, how to tie, um, setting up and breaking down your poles and just kind of the who, what, when, how of how to catch a fish. And then send them out into the river.
0: I would make ties, but super glue was my friend. Welcome to Hunting Day with Steven Robbins. Now for your host, Steven Robbins. All right, guys and gals, welcome back to another episode of Hunting Day. Today, I have a very special guest. I have Felicia Marie, and she is founder of Women of the Wild. Felicia, thanks for being on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: You're, you're most welcome. And uh, I met Felicia on TikTok and was able to view some of her videos, checked out her social media, and instantly I knew this was somebody that I wanted to have on the episode here. And uh, for a lot of the things that she's doing to get women and youth out into the outdoors. So, Felicia, introduce yourself, please.
1: Okay. Well, I am Felicia Marie. Um, I am from Southern Michigan, Southeast Michigan, and uh, founded Women of the Wild. And it's just been an awesome ride finding these women. They're a passion in the outdoors. Um, I'm a mother of two boys. And that was my kind of drive to get more youth in the outdoors is, you know, going in on these events with school programs and hearing all these kids wanting to do stuff and they just don't have a platform to do so. So between women and youth, I stay really, really busy with getting kids and women out fishing, hunting, pretty much anything they want to do. We find we find a journey for them.
0: That's great. That is awesome. Getting that next generation involved in hunting is the future of our sport and the future of our industry and a way of life. So my hat is off to you on doing that. That's awesome. Thank you. So you actually are on your way back from a very, uh, I would say fun and successful weekend, right?
1: Yes. We uh, took a group of women out to Northern Michigan, out up in the Baldwin area on the pier Marquette. We took them for, uh, fly fishing weekend we were hoping for salmon but it turned into more of a trout weekend saw a lot of salmon they just weren't biting they're still trying to get up to their beds um, to lay their eggs but these girls had never been fly fishing so it, it started with casting lessons um, and it wasn't a guided trip uh, I am a Michigan guide as of this year um uh, starting to build that up but I didn't do it as a guided trip I more so did it as a fish camp style and just education. So we went over, um, fly lessons as far as like how to cast, um, how to tie, you know, just basic knots, um, setting up and breaking down your poles. We went over, you know, the, the travel paths of the fish and like how they fall into those deep poles and where they're going to, they're going to kind of bet on those rock beds to lay their eggs and, and just kind of the who, what, when, how of how to catch a fish. And then, sent them out into the river. Um, we had a, a beautiful cabin right on the water. So we got to walk right out the back door and went fishing all weekend. And we had a gentleman um, from Baldwin Bait and Tackle, Jacob, came out and did a fly tying lesson for the girls, built an incredible passion for them. So the very next day, they all went out and bought vices and all the all the uh, material that they needed to tie flies. And it was really cool. I mean, just these girls really absorbed it and we caught some rainbows caught some browns saw a ton of salmon um but here in michigan you can't snag them so right now they're not really really wanting to bite anything it's more of a reaction when you put when you drag eggs in front of their face it's more of i don't want somebody else's eggs in my face so they'll bite at it um but you can't snag them so you'll see a lot and just getting them to bite can be the hard part so we didn't have any bite on um my dad actually beat us up there. He was staying at another location, but just 10 minutes down the road and he caught a 30 pound salmon. So he had me come get it, lay it up so that way all the girls could at least leave with fish. So that was yeah. really, really great of him.
0: That's a 30 pound salmon. Now, is that a pretty common? Cause I've, I'm not a salmon fisherman cause I'm, I'm born and raised in Virginia and I, I work in Northern Pennsylvania, which is odd because a lot of people do the steelhead fishing up here and uh mm-hmm. but I haven't I haven't really done any type of salmon fishing so i'm I would be um I'm uneducated in that so it's thirty pound a, a nice salmon
1: oh it's a hog of a fish yeah oh, nice yeah. nice. She, I, she's a she was a big fish yeah um I mean typically when they're in the lake I mean an 18 pound salmon is still a pretty big salmon yeah but this one, he he brought it in in a really nice piece of the river. He pulled it out of a deep hole. So with, fish, with salmon fishing, they're going to lay on those beds, those river, the rock beds to lay their eggs, but they're going to travel the waters in those deeper passes, deeper pools. And they kind of go up current to go lay their eggs. And that's what we were doing was just having them cast into those deep pools. So they'd stand on the rock beds, cast into the deep pools. Um, and we were having them use eggs and just a, uh, you can't find duck and chucks right now, but we were just putting, um, like split shots on their lines, feeding it okay. on an egg and you could feel them come, come by and brush your line. Um, I mean, at one point in time, one of the girls was standing there and she had five salmon in her feet, but it's just, it's the experience. So then we, we did switch it up. We traveled to a different piece of the river and we started focusing on more of like top water nymphs. And we caught rainbows, brown trout, nothing substantial. I mean, those were probably between six and I'd say 12 inches. Yeah. Um, but it's just the experience and, yeah. and these girls super rewarding to have never, never cast at a fly line. It's challenging. A lot of people have a difficult time with fly fishing because there's an art, there's a technique to it. And I'll tell you what, these girls had it down packed in like, I'd say three hours. Yeah. They were like catching fish and that, That was just awesome to witness. And, oh, man, just watching these girls whip those lines out and then pull in a trout within a couple hours of learning how to do something. And that joy, that excitement, it was it was an absolutely stellar moment in life to just watch that joy and the happiness there.
0: That's awesome. That's uh, that would have to be extremely rewarding. And you do this pretty consistently, right? This is on a regular basis that you're getting New people to they may be they may have a foundation or a background in the outdoors, but to into new things or, or they may be completely inexperienced. Right, so you you yeah. take all people, and I think that's great. And uh, so I fly fished when I was very young. No one technically taught me. Um, my dad had an old fly fishing reel combo, rod and reel combo, and I would watch videos on fly tying and things like that. And I didn't have the right stuff. Okay. So (laughs) I would make ties, but super glue was my friend. And, uh, I never really caught anything off anything that I tied, but as a young boy, it it gave me something to do. Right. And it occupied my time and, and I had a lot of fun, but, um, I, I never really took off with it. Because it's so much easier to just use a regular like spinning cast or, you know, bay caster. But I always say that like Ava, Zoe and Declan, when they're old enough, I'm going to take them and teach them just so that we can do that uh, like Western fly fishing trip. I think that oh, would be I think that would be a lot of fun.
1: A Colorado fly trip would be incredible. And for kids, it's really neat because it can teach patients. It's its own style of fishing. So you you know, like you said, you got your spinning reels, your bait casters, your center pins. They all have their mark of what their their purpose is, right? Like yeah. everybody that bass fish, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of people that bass fish, you know, they're they're sitting out there with their bait casters and, and with the salmon and stuff, you can I mean you can use a center pin reel, but they I mean they have their own challenges too. But there's just something about the tedious work of a fly line. Yeah. And that that art behind it that it's it's really calming it's really relaxing and I mean I, I there's no that's my favorite way to fish yeah I I just love it it's it's very very rewarding uh especially like with these girls teaching them how to tie their own flies to to teach them how to tie a fly and then to catch a fish on your own fly yeah like it doesn't get better than that it's no, just not at all it's really really awesome and I mean, I can tell you this, the four girls we had there this weekend, we definitely built a new passion and every single one of them, like they are full on committed.
0: Well, Felicia, that's awesome that you were able to get four girls committed to fly fishing and just to build that passion. And just like, like I said earlier, this is something that you do often. And you actually just got done doing a goose hunt recently as well, right?
1: Yeah. So, uh, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, We took a group of, they weren't, I don't want to say they were new hunters. Most of them have harvested typically like whitetail or small game, but none of them had waterfowl hunted before. So Women of the Wild put on a educational goose hunt. And we were very clear with these girls that it's not about the hunt. It's about the education and the opportunity to learn something while you're out there. Um, So we took three separate groups of girls. We took a group out uh, Saturday a different group Sunday and then another group on Monday and Monday we had a split group. We had women, youth, and a gentleman that had only been uh, it was only his third time out waterfowling. So he got his goose on Monday, but um, we don't limit it to just women, like obviously youth, but even if a man wants to get out and he wants to experience something that he's never experienced, I will never turn somebody down to getting in the outdoors. Like I'm willing to help anywhere I can. Typically I do that through my guide service, Um, but our, our women's goose hunt, it was really great. We taught the girls, you know, how to brush in your blinds. We talked to them about decoys and full bodies versus silhouettes and families and how to lay them out and, you know, where to leave pockets and why you're leaving pockets. We talked about the weather, the flyways, um, you know, the roost. their their feeding habits, the loaf ponds, like we went over all of that. We went over firearm safety. Uh, We went over, you know, shooting that way these girls could get an experience letting an aerial target, you know, getting an aerial target under their belt. So we practiced some of that in the field. Um, So Saturday we did it and we were in a wheat field and so many birds, like hundreds of birds were going o- over us, like probably one of the better early seasons as far as the count of birds. Yeah. Uh, but they short, they short stopped us at like 300 yards. We were in a real big field and, uh, they just short stopped us. Can't do much about that. It was a real foggy morning. So I don't even think they ever even saw the decoys or anything, okay. but they were, they were fixed on feeding. So we went and flushed them out of there in hopes that the birds wouldn't keep going to the wrong side of the field. That afternoon just kind of came and gone and we had a, a, a great day with them. We took the girls out like antique shopping and then we took them back out in the evening. Um, Sunday we, we switched it up and we did a corn field. So we were hunting over wheat, but we hid in the corn instead of using a frames. Okay. Um, and then we, you know, we talked to the girls about that and, we saw a ton of wildlife and, and built so many friendships. Like that was really awesome. And then Monday came around and Monday was our mixed bag group where it was women, youth and and a couple gentlemen. And man, we, we were in a wheat field again and we laid some birds down that day and uh, we laid pigeons we got some pigeons and it got to the point where it was like, all right, steel shots too expensive. We're not wasting this on pigeons anymore. And we just focused on geese. Yeah. Um, but everybody in the group got, got,
0: you know, four of them got their first goose that day. Nice. That's awesome. So that's what I think is really cool about women of the wild is you put on these events, but it's not like, Hey, you're going to hunt with an outfitter because I've hunted with a lot of outfitters that you show up and they tell you where to go or they take you where you need to go and you hunt and then the hunts over and you go home this is all encompassing. Like you're literally, Mm -hmm. your goal is to educate. You said the hunt Mm -hmm. is second education is first. And I think if people get a foundation and know how to do what they want to do, we probably hold more people in the industry that way, especially first comers. At least that's my Mm -hmm. take on it. And I think that's awesome that y'all are doing it the way you're doing it.
1: Yeah. And for me, I look at it from so many different perspectives. Like, you're helping the industry as a whole when you do it this way because not only are you providing that experience that passion to grow for a new person to get into it but then you're going to have people who are going to want to book more with guides you're going to have more people buying camel you're going to get more people buying coolers and taxidermy like everybody benefits from it but at the end of the day to feed that passion to where these people can go home and do it on their own or get a group of people and feel confident to get in the field with their friends that maybe they didn't before. That's, that's the true meaning and purpose to all of this is to feed that passion enough for somebody who's never done it to want to do it and invest themselves. And quite honestly, I get text messages of you made my wife a monster because now they're in waterfowl more than their husbands are and, or fishing or whatever it may be. But yeah, I mean, these girls, when they, when they do something, they really invest themselves and in, and it's really awesome to see that and to be just even be a part of it.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's great. I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Once you get them there and you can teach them, you keep them, I think. So I think like absolutely. I've, I've said multiple times, the way you're doing this is awesome. And I, I, I love it. I absolutely love Thanks. it. So it's,
1: uh, it's really, it is really great. And actually what you just said there is the whole point. And I tell this to people all the time, like just try it. Um, you may not realize that you like something unless you give it a shot. I mean, I've had, I've actually gained clients from Instagram, from them putting me down for taking an animal. Um, one of the ones that I can think of best is, you know, I, I'm an avid small game. I love small game my kids love squirrel meat. So like I make squirrel dumplings and that's, that's it for them. Right. So I I posted a photo of these squirrels and they, I mean, our squirrels are like house cat size. Some of them (laughs) they are pretty big, but I posted a photo of me holding like five or six squirrels. And, uh, it was a day that I took my kids out. Uh, one of my buddies went with us and, And we went to one of his pieces of property and we, we got a a good bag of squirrels and I posted a photo on Instagram and this woman was like, you can shoot deer and Turkey and all these things, but leave the cute fluffy ones alone. And, and to me, I don't ever come back like in an attacking manner. I always use education. So I just explained to her, you know, everything needs a population management, right? Everything. And, you know, the, the control on farm crops and and the damage that they do, like there is an importance, no matter what it is to be hunted and harvested as long as there's a population. And uh, we actually gained a client out of that. They were, they, it was, I don't want to call it ignorance, but it was just the fact that like you truly just don't know. So you don't understand it and you're against it. But once you get a grasp of why you do it and you understand it, it actually intrigues people to be like, you know what, now I want to try it. And those are the people that I love the most is, is giving them that flip that opportunity to understand it from a different perspective. Not that I have anything against people that, you know, don't want to go out and harvest their meat or something. But to me, the worst critics are the ones that eat store-bought meat, but won't go harvest and get mad at me for harvesting. My family doesn't eat meat from a grocery store. So if it's on the table, either mom or boys put it, put it there, you know, and that to me is the reward.
0: Absolutely. And that's awesome. That is awesome. So you told me earlier that you went to Maryland and did a bow fishing trip. Yes. So I love going to the Potomac river, shooting snake heads. And it's like a mixed bag down there. You got carp, gar, catfish, goldfish snakehead and every now and then you'll see a bowfin but like there are five species that you can shoot there in the potomac now when you were down did you happen to go after any stingrays in the chesapeake bay
1: we did not we focused solely on hellcats we wanted those blue cats and we were kind of towards the end of the season it was like i want to say june or july of 21 that we were there And we did a group of women, again, had never even bow fished. Like one of them is an avid bow hunter, but she had never bow fished. We had another girl who hadn't even shot bows um, and we went down and we did catfish and we ended up one of the girls harvesting a, a snakehead at the end of their season. So it was absolutely awesome. And those catfish, I mean, we get catfish here, you get your channel cats and stuff, but it ain't nothing like a blue cat those those suckers fight hard and it's so fun
0: my best blue cat is it's a good one and uh but this was i want to say 2015 time frame my brother Mm -hmm. had never been bow fishing and me and my buddy shane williams spent i mean we were spending a lot of evenings a lot of nights on the potomac and my brother lived like right i don't know probably 10 minutes from the potomac in one of the launch spots so i said hey william come out with us tonight and i i just hung back and watched and enjoyed and had a had a really good time and him and shane were up on the front of the boat and shane was doing a lot of the driving and putting him in you know we, we set him up for success and he shot fish all night long and he goes hey come up here give me a break so he gets down and I shot that blue cat. That's the only fish I shot that night. The first, it was the only arrow I let loose. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done. This this was a monster. And William was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> if he would have wow. held out for like five more minutes. <laughs> but uh, that the Potomac is, is really awesome because all the different species that you can shoot there. But the snakehead. And I know they're an invasive species, but they're here to stay. Um, I don't think there's any eradication that's going to happen because there. It's been a lot of reporting that they do travel the Chesapeake. Um, mm-hmm. e- the salt content really doesn't affect them. I, mean, I guess it does to an extent, but they're traveling through all the tributaries now, and they're they're delicious. And yes, uh, how did y'all were y'all able to shoot any while you were down?
1: Yeah. So one of the girls got. That- like I think it was like an inch shy of the state record. Just a monster of a snakehead. Wow. Um, so we only got one, but we—I mean—we got a ton of carp, a ton of catfish, some gar. Saw some goldfish. Um, but so she was from out of state, and she didn't want to fly to take her her snakehead home. And I said, well, if you're not going to take it, I'd love to take it home for the meat. And she's yeah. like, yeah, that would be great. I'd love for it to go to use. I brought it home and, um, cut it up right there in the driveway, cooked it for dinner. And my kids, my kids actually thought it was chicken. So we call it, we call it dragon meat now. Um, <laughs> but it, for people, like I've had a lot of people cause bowfin's not real good, right? Uh-huh. No, but snakehead to me is one of the better eating freshwater fish Absolutely. out there. It, it- eats, It eats unlike any other fish. It almost has more. It's not flaky like fish. It's more like chicken. Yeah. It's it's like a tuna steak, I guess, is the best way as far as texture. But it's not a real fishy fish.
0: No, not at all. That
1: that real white meat, it's got a lot of flavor, but it's not like a fish flavor.
0: Yeah, it's very Um, mild and and it just mm -hmm. very good.
1: Yeah, so I uh, deep fried it that night that I got home. And I mean, it, it was still, it was, it was still fresh as could be. I mean, we just got it the night prior. Um, but it was, it was one of my favorite fish I think I've ever eaten. Yeah.
0: If, if I could pick three of my favorite freshwater fish, I'm going to say walleye, crappy and snakehead. And that's, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of other really good fish, but if I had to, if I had my rather's. I would rather have any of those three and uh, I,
1: I can, uh, I can agree with that. While I, I really like pike, but a good Brown trout.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Those are so, my, honestly, that beats a crappie for me. And maybe that's, it might be more of like what you're accustomed to, to, yeah. you know, like for me, crappies everywhere. So okay, it's like, uh, but for a Brown trout, I don't get Brown's downstate a lot. Okay. So when I get a brown trout and that lemon and that butter and that pepper and that pan, there ain't nothing better than it. And it maybe it's because you can't have it all the time and that it's just that like delicacy that you get every once in a while. Yeah. But I can definitely agree that Snakehead would make that list.
0: Yeah. No, I've never had brown trout. I've I've caught them, but I've mm-hmm. never ate one. I've ate a, a pile of rainbows and they're good too. Mm-hmm. But I have never ate brown trout. I'm gonna have to I'm I'm literally gonna put make a note. <laughs> I'm gonna eat brown trout this year
1: yes do so, it. it you will that's one of my tops
0: now pike um they're not very they're not super common i mean we, we catch them when we're, when we're in, but they're they're caught by accident a lot um when we catch them right and so the local lake there um to my house it's called lake arrowhead it's in Luray virginia and they have pike in there and they, they've got a certain size limit that they have to be to keep them and and so on and so Only once have we kept one and ate it and my dad grilled it and it was really good, but it's one of those fish that we don't get a lot. And so I think we've probably ate, like I said, I've only ate one time in my life that I've eaten pike and it was good, but it wasn't like, I got to have this, but it could have been the way that it was prepared also. And it's
1: your diet.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: a lot of things factor in there.
0: Okay. That makes sense. just like any other animal you eat it depends on what they what they're eating right
1: yeah and a lot of people are put off by pike because they're such a bony fish yeah but if you fillet them properly like when i when i fillet a pike i get all the bones out you might get like those hairstring bones in there but for the most part i get every bone out of that pike and our favorite way is just to deep fry them um but they, they make the list for me, and maybe they might make the list for somebody else, but for me, and I don't keep a lot. Like I target pike here, especially Lake Erie, St. Clair area. Um, I mean, anything from fly fishing out on open water to out casting, you know, top water for them. Yeah. So I typically only keep a few a year, and it will depend on the body of water that I catch them in. So if I catch them in like a murky little pond they're going home. Yeah, they're, they're staying where they get to go home to their family. But if I catch them out on big, fresh, open water, especially because I fish a lot of Canadian waters. Mm-hmm. Um, but like right on that border of the Michigan-Canadian border, I kind of float that line. And when I get a pike, because our seasons are different, Canada versus Michigan. But when I get one and we're on the Michigan side and it's within season, he goes home with me. And he gets nice. a, a free ride
0: at my dinner plate. <laughs> there you go. I like it. So Felicia, we have covered a lot of really good information on this uh, episode. And there's still a lot more that I'd like to cover with you because you do do a lot of things. Like you said earlier, you're a guide now in Michigan and you actually just got back from South Africa. So what I'd like to do is have you back on next week and we can cover all of that. Does that sound good?
1: That would be wonderful.
0: Awesome. So Felicia, if our listeners wanted to reach out to you on social media, what would be the best way to reach you?
1: Uh, So I have several platforms, but for women, I mean, we have a private group that's women of the wild. Uh, We also have a public page, so it's not limited to just women, Um, but Felicia Marie on Facebook or Instagram, uh, Felicia Marie Wild Endeavors through Instagram. Any of that, the YouTube, if I mean, if they want to send me a message and it doesn't matter, like if you're a man, a woman, a child, like you want to get your kid in the outdoors, like I don't ever turn down the opportunity to get somebody in the outdoors. But um, our main account would be through Women of the Wild or my Felicia Marie through Facebook is typically the go to. I'm not real tech savvy, so all the other platforms, it can be daunting for me to try to respond back. So I would just say Facebook felicia marie or um, women of the wild send us a message and let's get
0: you outside awesome felicia thanks again for being on today
1: absolutely thanks for having
0: me and to all of our listeners keep hunting and doing what god calls you to do thank you for listening to hunting day with stephen robbins don't forget to like comment subscribe if you'd like to follow you can find stephen on instagram at stephen hunt day and facebook at stephen robbins hd if you'd like to reach stephen you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com